been told that I can go places that angels fear to tread. And I'm going to go and name the elephant in the room, actually the bully in the room. And I'm going to do this in the bravest way I could possibly do it. I'm actually going to interview my own daughter. And we are going to go with this concept of what do you do when your business coach is a bully? So this is really a subject near and dear to my heart. And I cannot thank my daughter enough for being willing to have this talk with me so that you can hear it and come into the world as we know it and maybe tackle having a bully in your life in a different way. So Katie, join me in the studio. Yeah. Can't tell we're related when we dance to the music and sing along, can you? <laughs> As they say, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Nope, not at all. <laughs> not at all. So when we first came up with this idea about is your business coach a bully, did any particular business coach come to mind for you? Um, actually, yes. Um, one of mine. Ah, I've come to some interesting um, concepts around the idea of bullying. And when you and I spoke, it was like, okay, how are we going to do this? One, we're not going to call anybody out. Okay. This is not about name your worst bully. Kind of, oh. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. Um, so here's the rules of engagement. We, we're not going to name any names. We're, we're not going to do anything that would in any way negatively impact someone because that's just not fair. They're not here to defend themselves. All right. So we, we like fair. Okay. These are the rules of my ballpark, which by the way, the rules of the ballpark are how we teach the talk to stop bullying. It's in that context. So now everybody's got this context a little bit. What I really want to know is if you're watching this, go ahead and pop in. Have you ever felt bullied by one of your coaches? If you have a personal or professional development coach or a sports coach, has it ever felt like you were being bullied? And while people put that yes or no in, into the chat, Katie, when it comes to bullying, what, what made it feel like you were being bullied? It was a combination of things, and I can give examples both from the business coach point of view and also from my old corporate job point of view. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, because I had the same, a very similar situation there. Um, in fact, I'll just use that one as an example because that's the one that's fresh in my mind right this second. I was having a tough time at work because of family situations. Um, for example, at this particular time between my husband Brian and I, we lost three grandmas in three months. So wow. it was a very tough period of time for both of us. And needless to say, my customer service scores didn't quite hold up to the average I had with the company for the past five years. And it was brought to my attention that I needed to get my scores back up to where they were, otherwise I was gonna be written up. It didn't matter 
what was going on in my personal life. It didn't matter that we had lost family. It didn't matter that I was gonna, that I was trying to relocate back to Maryland where at that point in time, both my family and Brian's family was. None of that mattered. All that mattered was I was not being held up to par to where I had been for the last five years. And it was very painful because it came across that I was not cared for as a team member. I was just a number on someone's grade, someone's report card on how well their team was doing. Wow. So how motivating was it? It was not motivating at all. In fact, that is what helped convince me that, um, hey, Brian, guess what? We're moving back to Maryland because I didn't want to be treated that way. So I actually left that company. So it motivated you to just get out of their ballpark. Yes. Got it. So I'm, I'm seeing in the chat that there are some similar things. So um, Katie, I'm going to give everyone the framework of the ballpark theory just so that they have this bully conversation in perspective. Good. The ballpark. The club owner sets down every new ball player and gives them the rules of the ballpark. And it's almost always the same. After the ball player reads the rules, they decide to share the fact that they don't like some of the rules. And the club owner says, son, you have three options. Option one, accept the rules without conflict, play ball, make money, have fun. Option two, argue with the rules and create conflict. You'll make money, you'll play ball, but you will not make as much money and you will not have as much fun. And option three, you can get out of my ballpark. This conversation happens in some way, shape or form in any company that is well run. Because if the people working for you or hiring you, they don't know the rules, they're not going to be able to perform. And if we know the rules, it's a whole lot easier to decide whether or not we want to be at that company, whether we can deal with the rules in a happy manner. Um, most of the time, we don't get this clarity is what I have found in my years of human resources over and over and over again. I realized that this was not being communicated well. And so while ball players have the three options, the club owner has three responsibilities. And the biggest challenge is that the club owners don't know what their responsibilities are in this area. The first responsibility is to know your rules and put them in writing. And the second responsibility as a club owner is to communicate them clearly you know, set your ball player down like in that story and share the rules with them and give them their three options. And the third one is to apply the rules equitably. You can never apply rules equally because you don't have the same expectations of a star player that you would of a bat boy. You know, and at home, it's the same. You wouldn't have the same expectations of a 12-year-old that you do of a two-year-old, I hope. <laughs> so. All right, so now that we have some context, the idea that 
we're not valued, that we're just a number. That's pretty clear. If you know that, then you can decide if that's a company. But it sounds like you didn't know that until that moment. No, I didn't really know that at that moment. But then again, this was the first job I had in a call center environment. So I really didn't have any prior experience other than my job was to sit at my desk and answer the phone and follow a script. And to be honest, it was kind of like autopilot and I need to keep my brain active. Otherwise I get bored very quickly. So I was leaning towards leaving the company anyways. This was just, okay, well, I'm moving to Maryland, bye. Got it, Mo motivated you to take option three and yes. you were already contemplating it. Correct. And it wasn't from a place of conflict, which I wanna point out that if um, you're working somewhere and you're in conflict with the rules, they, they, you're arguing with the rules and there's a lot of conflict, um, <laughs> Oh, I need to tell them the rest of the story, don't I? You know, the, the ball player, when he gets given the three options, often panics because he just arrived at the majors. He just got there. He's got the rules. He's been told, accept them without conflict, argue with them, create conflict, or get out of the ballpark. The ball player kind of panics because they don't want to leave. And when they understand that they get to choose the, the club owner actually explains it this way. Option one, accept the rules of the ballpark without conflict. Decide that you like them. Play ball, make money, have fun. Argue with the rules, create conflict. And that's the where most people live. That's where I lived most of my life. I was not happy, but I wasn't so unhappy that I would leave and I wasn't performing so poorly that they would push me out. So that's a comfort zone and that many of us live in. In the story though, the ball player had dreamed his entire life of only three things, playing ball, making money and having fun. So for him, it was an easy decision. He could decide he liked those rules just fine. Yes, sir. And there was no conflict for him. Being able to come to that level of acceptance, even if you don't make the decision that you like the rules, if you come to a place where you can accept, these are their rules. And once you accept them, you can see, is there any way for them to change? And if there's not, you've accepted them, you're not in conflict with them, you can choose to leave and there's no rancor. You don't carry that energy into another relationship. What's interesting about the scenario around bullying, and especially bullying in the workplace, is that one way of bullying is simply don't tell your employees the rules. Punish them for not following them, but don't tell them what they are. Yeah, that to me would be like the epitome of, of bullying because you're creating this emotional uh, soup of anxiety. No? And that's what they did for you. They, they came, it sounds like, Katie, they created this place of anxiousness around performance. Hard to perform when you're anxious. They did, but with everything else that was going on at that point in time, it never dawned on me that that's what they were doing. 
and it was considered a bully kind of situation. It wasn't until we started talking about this particular topic that it's like, oh yeah, that kind of qualifies, doesn't it? You know, it's, when people think about bullying, they think about it usually in terms of the playground bully, the kid who picks on their kid, the um, the person whose emotional needs are so great that they have to go make somebody else feel bad in order for them to feel good. That's to get their emotional needs met. That's the only skill they have. And that's the traditional take on a bully. But the scenario you described where you were not being seen or heard or treated as a the complicated normal human that you are. Yeah, I think it would come under the heading of bullying as we describe it. Why? Because it created that same sense of anxiety that a kid who's being bullied at school feels every day before they go to school. And it happens in, I mean, it happened in my other corporate, the corporate job I had before I was put on furlough. You know, when Brian was in the hospital, my husband was in the hospital. I was home, working from home part-time, recovering from pneumonia while taking care of my husband. And my manager told me I had to get my numbers up. And my response was the only way for me to get my numbers up would be for me to work overtime. And the response was, well, I cannot authorize for you to do overtime because we're not going to pay you overtime, but you need to do something to get these numbers up now. Well, I'm sorry, doesn't that kind of sound like you're telling me I should do something that I'm not doing so I can perform to whatever expectation you're giving me that's impossible? <laughs> I was already pulling in high numbers, but apparently it still wasn't enough. Got it. And not knowing the rules. Mm -hmm. Again, that's a beautiful, beautiful example, Katie, of where you just, they didn't give you the rules of the ballpark. And so that's one kind of bullying. What's funny is they couldn't even tell me what the rules were because they were still figuring it out because it was a fairly new position. Oh they were God. making up the rules as they were going along, which just made it even. Um, yeah, if you're going to make up the rules, let's set up for success. I mean, not set uh, somebody up for failure in a new position. And you know what? It's okay because I get to do the tech for you. Well, there we go. I get to solve tech puzzles. <laughs> On a big perspective basis, <laughs> it all worked out for the best. Like, just it wasn't pleasant. No, it, it was not. I, I was very angry and hurt and upset for months because of that. Because, I mean, with that company, I'd worked with them for 14 plus years and I felt very betrayed because I would go into work sick. I would be there to help everyone else because that's what I do. I mean, I like to help people. I like to, you know, make sure that I am delivering excellent customer service. And you know what? I'll deliver customer service my way. Well, there you go. Delivering it your way now. And that's this whole point. When I realized that the whole idea of business coaches as bullies, 
is when I realized that under my heading of bullying, when I did the suicide risk factor assessment, when I created that so people could actually get a handle on what the risk factors were for themselves and their families, I realized that I had to include being pressured to perform in areas you're not gifted in as a definition of bullying. That if you're being pressured to perform in areas you're not gifted in. And then I looked at my whole history of business coaches and I went, holy crap, I don't think I've ever had a coach that, uh, that didn't pressure me to perform in areas I wasn't naturally gifted in. Now, some of them were really good at helping me develop a new skill that even if I didn't have the gift, at least I had the skill. But others were really just telling me what to do and not necessarily helping me develop the skills of how to do it. And there's a big difference between being told what to do and being given the skills on how to do. I mean, I can easily say, click this button to turn on a microphone. But if I don't explain where the button is on what screen, you're going to be clicking all over the bloody place trying to figure out what you need to click on to turn a microphone on or off, especially doing stuff virtually now. Oh, especially the rules of Zoom are, you know, we, we had to really go back to school and learn how to communicate, how to turn, you know, the logistics of an event now are, there's, we still have to give them logistics. You know, we used to have to tell them where the restrooms and the restaurants were. Now we have to tell them how to turn on and off their camera and how to find the chat and how to save the chat and, you know, but it's the same thing as a good club owner hosting an event. We need to be telling people the rules and um, I'm often neglectful. So recognizing that in myself, I hire and surround myself with people who are much better at customer service type things than I am. Ta-da! Ta-da! There we go. <laughs> so a business coach is often in the position of bullying if we include being pressured to perform in an area you're not gifted in. Whether or not they're good at actually giving you the rules, giving you the hows, determines, I think, whether it's motivating or mangling. You know, I really think that it can be emotionally mangling if it doesn't have all of the pieces and that the coaching industry doesn't teach it well enough. So I'm a big advocate for some, some push here in that industry. Um, what do you do if you feel like you're being bullied by your coach? Well, the first thing I would recommend is let them know. What do you think? That is a good thing to do. The difficulty, at least in, in my case, was coming forward and saying, um, yeah, I, I cannot. I cannot. So well, for, for me, part of it, it was the boundaries. 
becomes tell me, tell me more because I'm a little bit confused. I want to make sure that the, everybody can follow this example. When what were you being asked to do that fell into the cannot? I was being asked to follow a set of rules in reference to responding to people asking for help, providing my assistance, and then saying, hey, if you want additional assistance, you have to hire me and pay me for my time. And I have not been very comfortable with asking people to pay me for my talents because I'm new to this whole entrepreneurship thing. I haven't been doing it much, maybe a year. I think it's been about a year now. Been about so, a year. you know, me being able to say, oh, pay me for tech support is still kind of awkward. And, and, and that's just me and my boundaries and my limiting beliefs. I completely get that. But being told that, well, this is what you do to build your business but not build how to but not exactly because to me it was offering my support and then trying to chase after them for money when I had offered them help. That Got was it. like offering somebody food because they're hungry and then demanding they reimburse you what you paid. So for you, the way that you were being taught, which is give, 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 and then ask for payment. And it wasn't, you know, ask for payment to give more. What? I just read the note from Olivia. Thank you, darling. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that, that's sweet. <laughs> it really is. The, the, the power of this to let's explain this out because this is really a juicy conversation on this topic of bullying in that as a newbie, you don't know the rules with your coach to be able to go back to your coach and to say, is there another way to do this? Right. Um, because you, <laughs> this is funny. They were actually that scenario of give, give, give. And now if you want more, now that I've got you used to my support, you get to buy from me. Is the opposite of being a good club owner. You know, a good club owner would set the rules out that, you know, you get, I will support you for one hour for free. And then you can hire me if you need more before you give them the support in the first place. That would be giving them the rules of your business ballpark. Right. And I tried that with a one hour consultation call. You know, I'm willing to answer a few questions. And then if you would like additional assistance or have me take care of the tech for you because it's too much of a headache, you know, we will work out a price that works best for you and a package that works out best for you. Well, everyone was taking my one hour free consultation and no one was calling me back. So it's about understanding the rules of their ballpark as well. Right. Yeah. And this is um, an area that's fraught with danger for me because I'm a business coach. I mean, this is what I do. And the more I've worked with my clients, the more I've realized that different personalities have different tendencies and different practical ways that, that they could be approached, that they could approach the world. And when we 
started this conversation, we said, we're going to have this talk. I, you know, at one point broke into a cold sweat because I realized, and this was just three days ago, <laughs> I realized I had been bullying you. I had been pressuring you to perform in areas of my business that you are not naturally gifted at, pressuring you to perform in building your own business with skills that you are not naturally gifted at and that you haven't had enough um, skill building to be able to do. And it was a real comeuppance for me. And so I was like, holy crap, here I teach how to stop bullying and I am the bully. But that's the thing that I didn't catch on at the beginning either because I picked up on the text so quickly. I picked up on a lot of skills that an entrepreneur needs very, very quickly. But I just couldn't grasp this one fact. Now, granted, looking back, I can remember telling you 20 years ago that there was no way on this planet I was going to be an entrepreneur. And you and I joke about it. But, you know, it's still like, okay, um, I love the fact that you do what you do. You do a fantastic job, mom, and you are great at helping people with wordsmithing and getting messages out. Nah. <laughs> I am perfectly fine being the wizard behind the curtain, supporting you getting the message out in the world because I'm learning where my strengths are. It's really would be a different world if we could learn where our strengths were and get comfortable staying out of shouldville, thinking we should be able to do everything well, thinking that we should be able to go against our grain and have it work out, as opposed to how can I work with the grain? that I already have? How do I work with the strengths I already have? How do I build this? And when I think back over my career, and I am, I am a heavy investor in personal and professional coaching. I mean, I have not been without at least two mentors in seven years. And so I'm a very big investor in this. And what I realized is that I had actually given people permission to bully me, not only given them permission, I have paid them to inflict this pain. And it's because from their business model, this pushing, this pain driven was the way that they knew how to get results with certain people. And the, I had hired bullies who knew how to, I had hired coaches, not bullies. I had hired coaches who knew how to push with what you don't want and putting the discomfort and probing that pain. And some of them knew how to pull, but most of them only knew how to pull to a goal that they had, that they wanted. They didn't necessarily know how to pull me in a direction that I wanted to go. They had their format. And it was a very expensive, very painful lesson and I'll say very expensive again, before I figured out that I don't fit. And if I'm working with a coach who has a process that I don't fit in, I need to not work with that coach because they're not going to be able to help me. But I didn't get that. So it's not even that the coach is a bully. 
It's that I felt bullied. And the bully in the room was me. I was doing it to myself, thinking that I had to have somebody telling me what to do to be able to be successful in what was going on in my world. And now granted, I'm going to call it out for what it is. Businesses exist for two purposes, to solve problems and make money. And if one piece of that is missing, the business is going to fail. But not everyone needs to be an entrepreneur. And pushing you to be an entrepreneur was probably one of the most painful things that I had ever done. And I regretted a great deal, except for the fact that you now you work for me. Well, yeah, I mean, there's kind of that fact, but I'm like, the, the fact that I knew in the back of my brain that I was going to be more employee than independent contractor because of the fact that, one, I translate Jackie very well. <laughs> so I could be a paid interpreter. <laughs> the the fact that I remember the first tech event that I helped you with, you had called me in the middle of the night because your email CRM autoresponder thing broke and we had to mail everyone individually to make sure they had the links to attend the event. And the fact that I remained calm through all of it was like absolutely hysterical to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the reason that Katie got into tech tangles is because I had tech terror at, after every summit or during summits. I mean, if it was just, I could write the tech terror chronicles of what can go wrong on a summit. And so the fact that you came in and were able to sort all of that out was absolutely wonderful. And I value it a great deal. Well, there is one other part. I mean, I kind of set myself up for this because when I was furloughed, I called you and asked if I could help with your business so I wouldn't be bored. (laughs) And I can promise you that I have not been bored. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's fun. I mean, this is the fun part of learning being an entrepreneur and learning what my boundaries are and going through this learning to talk about suicide and learning to talk about bullying and getting rid of negative thinking and self-sabotage because not only is it helping you it's helping me it's helping everyone else who's listening in on this and it's just one of these things that i never considered any of this beforehand yeah. I had one, one of my friends told me that I have been living and working in a bubble my entire life. <laughs> and I'm, I'm remembering stuff that happened when I was a kid, when I was in high school, when I graduated high school, when we stopped talking for years and then, Oh, guess what? You're going to be a grandma and, you know, rebuilding the relationship with you and rebuilding the relationship with my sisters. And I'm like, you're kidding me. I grew up in a bubble. No. Well, compared to them, I did. So So that. What was so different about their growing up? Their growing up was zero family, 
and 100% bullying and 100% trauma ah. since day one. And the friend in question ended up not being a friend at all um, when he got help. When, when he was put under observation and was held by a state and I was, I was not rescuing him. And he turned into a bully. You well, know, I can't say he turned into a bully, but he spoke to me in a way I had not been spoken to before. And I won't be spoke, spoken to that way. So the friendship's over. That personality shift, what you just described, this is um, something that happens, you know, under stress. Mm -hmm. Where oh, I know, and and it also happens in general. But you said something really interesting, and this idea that we—I don't even know how to describe it. It was the power of being able to step back and to say, this is the path that got me here and you've got a clear rule now, I won't be talked to that way. And it took a long time to, I've let people make comments and I'm just, oh, they're just having a bad day. They don't mean it. Yeah. I grew up with nasty comments like that before okay, whatever, they're having a bad day. I'm gonna keep going, being my nice, calm self, whatever, but it hurt. And I hit it and didn't say anything. His hit so hard that I could not hide it. And the fact that I could not hide it and that my son came to my office door and wanted to know where this guy was so he could go kick his arse because <laughs> nobody should talk to his mom that way and that's what dawned on me that i was i was letting him talk to me the way they wanted to talk to me without any acknowledgement that i was a living breathing human being who helped and had always answered the phone and had sh i share my heart with almost everyone I'm, I'm, I'm a care, caring person. I give people hugs. I tell everyone, hi, I love you. I, I send hugs in my emails. I mean, smiley faces, kisses, faces, everything. In this case, no amount of me acting calm or considerate or patient or loving could change how they acted towards me. True. And that's what I learned. Wow. And this is true about the behavior of anyone who inflicts pain is that the, the person on the receiving end, there's nothing you can do that's going to change them. There's nothing you can do that's going to change them. So we're going to take this two different directions really quickly because I want to flush them both out. One is the only way to handle a bully when you know that it's a bully is to put the distance. It's the same 
you know, with uh, someone who's high on the self-absorption scale, they tend towards narcissistic behaviors, you know, distance, because you're not going to change them. However, something that appears to be bullying might not be. True. And in the business coaching realm, this is often true because a business coach's job is to make you a successful business, to make it where you make more money, where you help more people, where your business can grow and develop and be sustainable. And so there are going to be those moments that a business coach or any coach looking to help you change might pull everything in their arsenal that's going to stir your discomfort to make you move because we move from either being pulled by something we want or pushed by something we don't want. So on that level, it's a really fine line. Yes, because there is a fine line between pushing someone out of their comfort zone. Mm -hmm. I've got a great story on that one and being hurt. And it's really interesting, but the, um, the coach has no way of determining whether or not what they're doing is hurting someone because you can't tell by looking it's invisible hurt is this kind of hurt is invisible so they really don't know and once i could start to give them the benefit of the doubt that they don't know that this is hurting me the other thing i had to realize is that holy toledo Every sales message in the world could be described as bullying because every sale is based on putting a little bit of pressure on your vulnerabilities, on your pain points. Even the original telephone commercials, you know, where the phone rings, you know, you've got the picture of, gra of this really wonderful old grandma, all lonely and kind of dejected, and then the phone rings. And she brightens up and she gets up and she's got her walker and she's going across the, this is before cordless phones. She's going across the room to the phone and she answers the phone and she hears your voice and her light just starts to shine. And it was one of those wonderful commercials that took you on the emotional roller coaster. You, know, you felt really down that you were neglecting your, your grandmother and she was lonely. And then, ta-da! All you do is have a long distance plan and you could call, you know, and, and you could talk to them and you could brighten their day. And that was sales. And that's still what sales is. It's, oh my gosh. What? I just the reach out and touch somebody. <laughs> it is. It's, it's the original reach out and touch someone. And it was about stirring the pain of your friend or family might be lonely. And you can be their hero. All you have to do is reach out. And it was one of the best sales messages ever done. Now, the question is, are they bullying you or are they motivating you? In that case, I have to say it depends on the individual of the person doing the quote unquote selling and the person who is on the receiving end. And the reason that I say that is because I, I normally am not comfortable getting up and talking about my business on stage. I'm talking to my mom. So that's the only reason why I'm not like nervous as I'll get out right now just so everybody knows. Um, but I was invited to talk on a business summit and to talk about my tech business. 
And I looked at it and thought about it and said, mm, no. I sent the organizer an email that said, I would much rather support your speakers than be a speaker on your summit. And the initial response I got was, okay, that's fine. Well, a few days later, he called me demanding to know who talked me out of speaking at his event. And I told him no one talked me out of it. I said no, because I didn't feel comfortable talking about my tech business. And he pushed on me in reference to this is something that you should do. You are great at what you do. You need to get out there. You need people to talk to you. You need people to see you. So then that way you can get more clients. And he pushed and he pushed and he pushed. And I told him flat out, I do not like being pushed. And he says, you know, I'm pushing on you because I want you to succeed. And if I don't push on you, who will? And at that moment, I realized he was not pushing on me to be mean. He was pushing on me because he truly felt that I would succeed and be great talking at his event. And I told him, I don't like you. I really don't like you right now, but I will agree to let you push me into doing this. And so I did, I spoke on the event. The hysterical part is that there was an epic tech fail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that is the hysterical part because he did not have you doing his tech support. He had you speaking on the show. All right. so, I mean, I find it absolutely hysterical because I've, I'm now doing a um, proposal to him to set up all the tech for his next event coming up. So then that way he doesn't have all the issues he had for the last event. What's really interesting to me is something that I wasn't aware of until after I spoke on a TEDx stage, which is that it's not the event, the talking itself that is the most valuable. It's the video views afterwards because then you have the potential to reach so many, many, many more people in the video views afterwards. And the epic fail of your one time on a business summit he Was forgot to no hit record. Video. Yeah, there's no video. <laughs> there's no video. He forgot to hit record before before he started interviewing me. <laughs> so there, there's the fact that the the one thing that you know would have made it really valuable is is missing. But what really struck me as funny is this is the power of our emotions to bring about what we really want, no matter what we say because you really did not want to be visible in that realm. I did not, but I will say this. Most of the, because of all the tech issues, there was not a lot of people there present watching the interviews as they were being held. The fact that everyone who watched my interview, except for one person, was either a client, a friend, or a family member. They showed up for my interview only to show support for me. And that meant more to me than being pushed into talking. There we go. So there's a benefit everywhere. The reality is let's take back our power from the bully so that it doesn't hurt. And we can learn some lessons from this 
uh, in a lot of different ways. But the main thing I want to say is that anybody watching this, if you are in the transformational space, meaning that your job is to bring about transformations for other people, whether a business coach or a personal development coach or any healing, anything that you are bringing about change for other people, you will ride this very fine line between pushing and pulling. The more rapport you can build with the client, the more you actually take the time to get to know what pulls them and use that, the easier it will be for you to stay on the motivation side rather than the mangling side or the manipulation side, which never feels good when we're talking about it in this context. It's a call to mindfulness. Are there bullies in the industry in the classic sense that they get their emotional needs met by bringing out pain and getting a, a hit, a reaction, an uncomfortable space from someone else? Absolutely. It's human nature. They exist everywhere. But this industry, more than any other industry, is riding this very fine line. And so if you're in this industry, if you're in the transformational space, please, please be mindful. Be mindful. We know that you're amazing at what you do. But be mindful because not everybody is possible that not everybody's your ideal client. Not everybody's going to understand your how. Not everyone's going to get the message you're trying to send. And you could be leaving some really painful footprints behind on people. And so it's just a call to mindfulness. And that's what this session is all about. So are there bullies in this industry? Absolutely. What do you do when you feel like you're being bullied by your business coach or anyone else? The first thing you do is say, this doesn't feel good to me. Can we make a change? And if the answer is no, be a good ball player. Accept their rules without conflict and take option three and get out of the ballpark. So there we go. That's how I just came to the conclusion that I stepped over the line. And because I realized that I stepped over the line, I decided this was a talk that needed to be shared. This is an idea worth spreading. And I want to thank everyone for your attention and for your willingness to touch on this very uncomfortable topic in an industry that is fraught with challenges. And one of the biggest ones is that it's a line that's super easy to cross if you're not being mindful. Can I add one more thing? Of course. Because between you and I, there is one other aspect besides just a business coach. It's the parent and the child. Mm. So that brings us to another point. Thank you very much. As this is about teen suicide. Um, 
I only bring it up only because it has made me more mindful on the tone of voice that I use when talking to my son. And it makes me more mindful on the tone of voice that I use with my husband, which I know that he appreciates, even though sometimes I think he's just another teenager in the house. <laughs> there we go. The value of going on this journey, the value of understanding that not everything that you see that's not right needs to be called out. You know, the we don't need to point out every single flaw that we see, unless you're a proofreader and you got grammatical errors, that's different. When you're in the transformative space, it can be really, really easy to call out every single thing that's going wrong and to forget that that doesn't help. What helps is to help people excel with what they're naturally gifted in. To be so good that they don't have to go chasing clients, that they don't have to go striving to get somebody to say yes to them, that you're so good that you become impossible to say no to. And that's what's building in you, Katie. And that's why it's so funny that you ended up where he's like, help me, help me, Katie. Yeah. And so we know that this is the value of coming into this conversation and that you can do you, you can do it your way. All you have to do is be willing to not be bullied and be willing to be a little bit silly and be willing to be a little bit silly. There we go. You know, I have to do this. <laughs> I have to wear my hippo. There we go. We, we can't take life too seriously. <laughs> I am learning that I cannot take life too seriously. There we go. All right. So thank you all for being part of this conversation and may you be bully proof. That is our hope for you. <laughs>